Welcome to Pardes Daily, where you get your daily dose of Torah with Pardes faculty. This time, Pardes is bringing Pesach to you. Let's dive in. Our reading today is chapter 12 of Exodus, and this is Michael Hatton speaking to you from Alon Shavut. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to our fifth and final podcast in this series. Last time we spoke about patterning in the plagues, and now it's time to prepare for the exodus from Egypt. The chapter begins with the introduction of a new calendar for the people of Israel. Henceforth, they will counter time from the month of Nisan, the first month, the month of their exodus. The Jewish calendar is, of course, solar and lunar, primarily lunar, with adjustments to ensure that the lunar months and the solar seasons are synchronized. The ancient Egyptian calendar, of course, tended to be exclusively solar, so this clearly is a break with the Egyptian culture. The people are to prepare for the Exodus by separating a lamb on the 10th day of the first month, a lamb per household. If that household is too small, then another household may join with them The point of the matter is, however, that the lamb is joined together, the lamb joins together smaller units of people, primarily family units or household units, and this lamb is to be a one-year-old male in verse number five, without blemish, whether from the sheep or from the goats. The lamb is to be kept safe until the 14th day of the month, and then it is to be slaughtered by the entire congregation of Israel in the afternoon. Most curiously, the blood from the lamb is to be taken and to be placed on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the households that consume it. The lamb is then to be eaten on that night, Verse number eight, roasted by fire along with matzot, unleavened bread, and bitter herbs. It is not to be eaten raw or cooked, but instead has to be roasted whole, and none is to be left over until the morning. Verse number 10, the people are to eat that meal with their loins girded, with their shoes upon their feet with their staffs in their hand, which is to say, prepared to leave the land of Egypt at a moment's notice, and it is to be consumed in haste. Verse number 11, in the meantime, God will pass through the land of Egypt to strike down the firstborn. Verse number 13, the blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are, I will see the blood and I will pass over you. And that is in fact what happened at the stroke of midnight, verse number 29, God struck down all of the firstborn. Pharaoh arose at night along with his servants in all of Egypt. There was a great outcry in Egypt for every house contained one who had been smitten by the plague. He called Moshe Naharon that very night and announced, verse 31, Arise and leave from the midst of my people. You and the people of Israel serve God as you have demanded. Take your flocks, take your cattle as you have demanded. And bless me as well. The people leave in haste, verse number 34. 
with their dough not yet leavened, their kneading troughs bound up in their garments upon their shoulders. So with this, the exodus from Egypt is inaugurated. We note, of course, that um, many of the features of this special ceremonial meal have been observed, continue to be observed, and are observed to this day. The Passover Seder is the most widely observed Jewish ritual act across denominations. And to this day, of course, we still eat the matzah, we still eat the bitter herbs, we still recount the story. At the same time, obviously, certain features of this original Passover have not been preserved, and in fact, were not even preserved when the Paschal sacrifice was offered at the temple. So, for instance, there is no placement of the blood on the doorposts and the lintel, and hasn't been since the first exodus. Um, on the other hand, the idea of eating the lamb roasted with matzot and bitter herbs would have been practiced when the temple stood, as well as the idea that there are to be no leftovers. On some level, the paschal sacrifice resembles other sacrifices from Sefer Vayikra, the book, the book of Leviticus. The provision of a one-year unblemished male is a typical sacrificial feature um, the placement of blood is a typical sacrificial feature. So in these things, we may detect a parallel to a typical sacrificial service. On the other hand, clearly in our version of the story, there is no temple, there is no tabernacle or mishkan, there is no sacrificial altar at all. In fact, the blood, which would have been placed on an altar in a typical sacrificial moment, is placed on the doorposts and the lintel. This has led some commentaries to actually conclude that, as it were, the altar in our version of the story is none other than the Israelite homes where the people huddle, huddle together awaiting the order to go forth from the land of Egypt. As it were, the household, the family unit, becomes the instrument for the service of God, and therefore the blood, which in another context would have been placed on the altar, is here placed on the lintels and the doorpost of the homes. We might ask ourselves, of course, the placement of the blood is a sign in the story so that God will see and pass over. Obviously, the question arises, if God is omniscient, if God is omnipotent, if God is omnipresent, then what sign could he possibly need? So more on that in the additional source from the Mechilta later on. We note the following. If we consider the elements of the story, we basically have Israelite families gathered together in nuclear units in their safe space called their hovel or their home. One could imagine the door has been sealed. Anything that's happening outside is muffled and quiet. Indoors is safe. Indoors is protected. The blood is placed on the portal and on the lintel. And as we hear in verse number 30, there was a great outcry on the outside, such that outside chaos reigns, cries fill the night, piercing cries. On the inside, there is safety. There's a feeling of being connected. And there is, uh, there is of course, um, safety to a great degree. 
As soon as that night passes, the people of Israel will emerge into the bright daylight and they will be free. And of course, the portal marked with the blood on the doorpost and the lintel is the liminal space, is the threshold that they must pass in order to emerge into freedom. If we take these elements and we abstract them slightly, we can immediately detect a birth process which is taking place in the Exodus drama. That is to say, the people of Israel are being born. As part of that birth process, they must cross that threshold, and that threshold is marked with blood, and that process is painful. They will leave behind everything familiar. They will enter a brave new world which will demand more things from them that they are not familiar with, and they will, of course, embark on a learning curve which will transform them. In short, one could make an argument based on the elements provided by the story that the placement of the blood is a deliberate move in order to symbolize the process of birth that the people of Israel are now experiencing. And that would explain, of course, why it is a singularity. That is to say, in every other Paschal sacrifice, which was observed since that time, as long as the temple stood, there was no provision to place the blood on the lintels or on the door on the doorposts or on the lintel because that moment was a singularity in which the people of Israel were born as a nation and born as a nation can only happen once in our history although we recall it and we commemorate it we realize that it's the beginning of a process and it's a process that continues for us to this very day I would like to wish all of our listeners a happy and kosher Pesach, Chag Kasher V'Sameach, and thank you all. Thank you to our Pardes faculty, and a big thanks to you, our learners. Make sure to check back in every day to stay on track with your learning, and visit www.pardes.org.il for more information about other ways to learn with Pardes.